Psalm 62, my soul waits for God alone. To the choir master, according to Judithan, a Psalm of David. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. How long will all of you attack a man to batter him, like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. Selah. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge, is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances, they go up. They are together, lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, Set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs our steadfast love. For you will render to a man according to his work. Blessed be the word of the Lord. Join me as we pray together. Yahweh, Abba, Father God. Thank you for Psalm 62 and David's wonderful reminder of where our strength comes from. Trusting in these words today, Father, may our hearts be fixed upon you. If God Almighty be for us, we need not fear man. Father, today we trust you to guide us when in doubt, to protect us when in danger, to supply us when in want, and to strengthen us for every good word and work. Holy Spirit, as we gather today, let us trust in your mercy and grace. May we bound in your work mercies from you alone. May our meditation upon your word and our prayers to you be a means of strengthening our faith and our hope. Father God, as the song 
and this psalm so wonderfully reminded us. You alone are our refuge. In you, we will take shelter. In you, we will not be shaken. Now open our eyes, our ears, our hearts to your word and the message that you have for us today that we may take these truths forward into our lives, into our homes, into our workplaces, into our community. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to come together. May this body be unified through your word today. In your precious and holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Madam. Grateful for Pam reading for us today and grateful to be with you guys uh, today. And we announced last week that uh, we are, we're pursuing a, a building in Sandy, and I want to uh, let you guys know that we had a meeting with the city this week and uh, really not just had open doors, but hey, Josh, good to see you, buddy. Not only just had open doors, but, but felt like we had an, had an advocate, even within the city, that was like petitioning for us. There wasn't any like pushback, there wasn't any defense, but we just felt favor from the city. And so uh, we, I mean, it, it passed with flying colors, and uh, and so our next step is we just got to contact our builder and start the build out. And so we are fully go. Yes, thank you, Lord. Uh, we are fully moving in that direction, and grateful for the Lord's provision in that and His blessing in that. Um, and so, man, just want to celebrate with you guys. So. Just be reminded, uh, immeasurablymore.church, that will have kind of the stories and updated information. We're also going to share testimonies in that, and, um, and it'll give you an opportunity to give. Give to the building, give to the mission, give to planting churches. Again, we want to plant churches locally all throughout the area, and so, um, man, just be, be mindful of that. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, Chris, who's leading our liturgy today, and all of his volunteers and workers who blessed my family and multiple families with Parents Night Out. Thank you, guys. Um, yes, thank you. Uh, it was a blessing to me, and it was a blessing to many, so I just want to say thank you for that. Um, I am a little bit emotional and was emotional last week. <laughs> no, no surprise there. Um, but man, I just, I have been grateful to be with you guys. And, uh, I was out for a month on sabbatical and, um, man, just the, the words of, of gratitude are, are in, they don't compare with how I feel in the midst of that. And so, um, I spent four days by myself, <clears throat> true introvert style and, uh, Going into Psalm 62 from that place of, uh, of sabbatical was, was, this, was a, an amazing time of, of clarity and blessing from the Lord, but there was also a lot of struggle in it. 
Um, there was a lot of tension, a lot of wrestling. The first probably 12 to 15 days were like battle. Um, and, um, and so even though we, we, we got away, the, 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 um, and I think that applies pretty pointedly to this psalm. As this psalm from the outset, as, as we've read it together, is all about silence. It's all about trust. And some of you may respond of like, okay, silence, it's like, okay, that's, that's, I, that's doable, that's great. Uh, and some of you are like, heck no, I hate me some silence. Um, you know, you can just think about being in a car with someone new or being at home or going to bed. And it's like, man, I just, I, 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 can't, just, I can't just be silent. Something's got to be going. And I just want to say from the outset, this applies to everyone. No matter how you process, no matter what your personality style is, this is the ideal. The first verse, the first two verses set out the ideal. And then it's going to be reiterated later as a command. Verse 1, for God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Notice the language in it. It's like, this is firm. God alone. This is what I'm waiting on. From him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. This isn't like, oh, I want God to be, and I wish God was, and man, I'm really like, trying to believe. It's like, this is happening. He is my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. And, and I want to say that the whole idea of this is like, how do we have like a sense of peace? How do we have a sense of peacefulness? And this psalm isn't necessarily about silence. And honestly, it's a lot about trust, but even more than those two things, it's about hope. It's about hope. And so I've entitled this, The Peacefulness of Hope. And the first point is, in this ideal, we find, in essence, the ideal of Jesus in the first two verses. He is the one who waited on God alone in silence. He is the one who walked in perfect communion with the Lord, okay? I just want to go through a couple things in Jesus' ministry to, to, to portray this picture of the silence of Jesus in his life and ministry as the ideal, okay? Number one, first thing he does in his ministry is he gets away for 40 days. Now, I don't care whether you're an introvert or extrovert, that would be challenging to talk for 40 days to yourself wandering in a hot place where you have no water. And so in the very beginning, setting the stage Jesus is not dependent upon his own power and ability. He's dependent upon the Lord's voice and the Lord's leading. As he leads in his ministry, he says, I, I do the things that I see the Father doing. He has this sense of awareness and listening and, and, and knowing what God is doing, okay? So he's listening to the Father. He, he, multiple times, he leaves his disciples and goes away for hours upon hours in solitary prayer, Okay? Just to, and again, if you've tried to even like pray for two hours, even if we get a group together, praying for two hours and using words would be a little challenging. We kind of run out of things to say. Silence is going to be part of that process, okay? But not only in terms of like, oh, this is the ideal. Jesus gets away and he's silent with the Lord. But in the midst of Gethsemane, 
when he's in the midst of trouble and pouring out his heart to the Lord and, and crying out to the Lord, we learn that the, the disciples fall asleep. Okay, what does that tell you? There's a, like some, some lull, maybe in the energy. There's some like time and space. And it's not like, I mean, could Jesus have been like extemporaneously like yelling? I mean, that would wake me up personally if I was kind of there. So you see the picture that I'm portraying there? That there had to be some silence in the midst of that. Yes, it's pouring out, but silence. And him on the cross. We have these seven phrases of Jesus on the cross. That was in the midst of six hours, okay? Even those declarations that Jesus made were in, there was an attitude of silence. He could have defended himself. He could have, he could have displayed power, and he didn't. He said, for God alone, O oh, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Not in my power, not in my ability, not in my ministry, not in my family, not in my friends. He alone is my rock and my salvation. So we see this in the life and ministry of Jesus. And I want to portray that not as an example of like, okay, Jesus is the perfect one. Yes, he is. He did it. He did everything we can't do. Amen. But I want to portray it from a sense of like, it's possible for us. Jesus was completely 100% human. Okay? And we don't think about Jesus a lot in that way, but there's a reality of like Jesus' limitations were real. And so for humanity, this is the way that we should live. Okay. First point, silence and confident steadfastness with the Lord. The Lord alone. Say that with me. The Lord alone is possible. Okay? Second, peaceful hope in trouble. Okay. We can like paint this like beautiful, serene, wonderful, laid back picture of stillness and rest quietness before the Lord is so good. Oh, man. But trouble happens. The reality is that's not life. This is not monastic, get away from everything, get away from the trouble, let's just be with the Lord. This is like in the midst of trouble, we can experience this. The peacefulness of hope in trouble. This psalmist specifically of David, he's being attacked, guys. He's being attacked in the midst of this. He's, he's saying, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. And he's like, dude, what you guys doing? Why are you battering me up? You know, why, why are you like, why are you, I'm, I'm, le- I'm a leaning wall. Give me a break. Can you not push on me? Can you not bless with your mouth? And inwardly they curse, verse four. It's like, oh yeah, David, you're doing great. Dude, he's an idiot. I mean, we really got to work on this guy. Dude, David, you're doing great, man. Great. Woo. Can you just, I mean, just put yourself in that, in that place of like, there's people surrounding you. You're battling, and yet they, they, they're blessing you. They're being friendly to you, and yet they're cursing you, and you're just feeling the immense weight of this relational tension, physical tension, all these things. And what does David do? He says, for God alone Oh, my soul, wait in silence. So I just want to say, it's not in the midst of perfection and serenity that this happens. It's in the midst of trouble. Here's the catch. 
a lot of us think, even in our spirituality, that we have to like get away from trouble and pretend trouble isn't there to have faith. We have to say like, oh, if I'm really like faith-filled, if I'm really hopeful, and if I really like trust in the grace and the blessing of the Lord, bad things aren't going to happen. Sorry to burst your bubble, but that's not like, let's read the book of Job. Uh, there's a reality to the, to the, the sense of, of the trust of Job to say, if I trust the Lord to give me good, I'm going to trust the Lord if evil comes. Period. And so when we deny trouble, when we diminish trouble, when we set ourselves apart from trouble, that actually works against us. That actually hinders our faith. Why? Because we don't see a, we don't see a walking away from We see an engagement of trouble. We see like a, a, an entering into the trouble, not for trouble's sake, but not like, not like removing ourselves from it, but entering into the trouble and declaring faith and trust and hope in the midst of it. In the midst of it. We're not avoiding trouble. We're not escaping trouble. When we don't acknowledge the trouble that we're in, we're actually setting ourselves up to, to, to we're actually building walls in our heart and our mind that prevent us from living fully. There's a, there, we create those walls. And the gospel is not saying, hey, trouble doesn't exist. The gospel is saying, break down those walls, go into the trouble, be into the mess, and God's grace and healing and restoration is going to come from that. Resurrection comes from death, not the other way around. And so the peacefulness of hope in Christ, in God alone, in Him alone, in the midst of trouble. Exodus 14 when the Israelites, this is a great example in the Old Testament of the Israelites being in the midst of trouble. They, they, they've left Egypt, they're on their way into the promised land, and yet there's this big sea that's in front of them, okay? And Pharaoh and all of Egypt realizes, oops, we shouldn't have let those slaves go. And so they pick up all their chariots and they just like go after all these elderly you know, women and children and men and young kids and this, you know, horde of people who was like walking, just like, you know, try, and there's like running after them. So the Israelites look back and they say like, oh yeah, there's like some dust flying in the air, you know, like seems like the, the, the Egyptians are coming after us. We're freaking out right now. And Moses, they're in the midst, they're, they're right in front of the sea and there's like water right here and the, you know, Egyptians back here and it's like, What are we going to do? And Moses says this in Exodus 14, verse 13. Fear not. Stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. He didn't tell them to defend themselves. He didn't tell them to do anything. 
He didn't tell them to run. He didn't even tell them to pray. He didn't tell them to pray. He said to be silent. The Lord knows. The Lord knows. He's going to deliver his people. Amen? I don't know if you need that. I need that. The Lord's going to deliver me. The Lord's going to deliver those who are in Christ. He will. He has made a promise to deliver us from every affliction. Man, that's good news to me. Thank you, Jesus. All right. I'm going to get really, really practical here in this next section. You all ready? Not just like, oh, yeah, let's talk about silence. Let's, let's get real practical, okay? The peacefulness of hope in community, okay? We're going to look at verse 5, where the psalmist says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. Notice the difference in the language. He said in the first one, for God alone, all my soul waits in silence. It's an active, it's something that's happening. Here, verse 5, for God alone, all my soul, wait in silence, for my hope comes from him. Okay, notice this is more of a like command. This is like, do it. This is like, Hey, this is something that should be active. And he's speaking directly to his soul. This is a section of the psalm where the, the, the psalmist is transitioning from his own kind of experience to the community. And he's declaring to the community, in essence, like, I want my soul to rest and trust and be silent before the Lord. I want our soul, our place to be in a peaceful hope before the Lord. Oh, my soul, wait in silence. And the thing about this is this isn't just an encouragement. This is a command. This is a command. For my hope is from him. Okay, this is, this is in some ways the crux of the psalm. This is where we're going to get real, real practical. He only is my rock and my salvation. My fortress, I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation, my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Perfect. Leave that up there, Philip. Thank you. What word is repeated there the most? My. Okay. Little, little, uh, little informational you know, input on Jewish theology. Jewish theology is based on personalization. It's not like, oh, God is this, like, grand, beautiful, wonderful thing. God is my bread. God is my water. God is my light. God is my rock. God is my fortress. You notice that the, the my, like, the personalization, the authoritative declaration, this is what I believe. That's what's happening here in this, okay? He's saying, God is my blank. And I think what, what, I, what I want us to, to look at is two of these words. Go ahead and put it up there, Philip. What is my hope? What is my refuge? I want you to fill in the blank. And try to be as honest as you can. As your pastor, I'm not going to come around and, and say, is God your hope? Okay? I'm not going to do that. I would rather you try to discover. 
What is your hope? What is your refuge? So I'm going to shut up and let you think for a second. What is yours? Okay, next exercise. You ready to get more practical? Going to switch it a little bit. Now that you're kind of beginning to be even aware what is your hope or refuge, the question is, God is your what? God is my blank. Fill it in. Who is God for you? God is my I value this enough for you to give you space for that. I ask that you truly think about that. Give that some space this week. What is my hope? What is my refuge? What do I go to when I'm stressed? What does, what would I say God is my? He's my what? Fill it in, okay? All right. I'm going to get super really smart on you guys and show you how awesome I am and teach you two, one, one thing, okay? Within Christian spirituality and within spirituality overall, in any, not any form, because there's kind of some weird ones, but most forms, there, there are these two realities, okay? Cataphatic and apophatic spirituality, okay? It's really big terms. You should maybe take a picture. The C sometimes is changed to an K, and if you want to talk about the etymological, you know, significance, talk to Jamie over here. She'll be happy to explain. Essentially, this is, uh, what I want to display in this is what this psalm portrays in verse 8 and compared to the rest of the psalm. Yeah, just leave it right there, Philip. Thank you. In verse 8, read it with me. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Okay, do you see that in your Bibles? Pour out your heart before him. That is cataphatic spirituality, okay? That is using our senses, using our abilities, using our memory, our imagination, our words, our knowledge, our understanding, um, using our bodies in how we express faith, okay? The Bible is cataphatic spirituality. It is God's word to us. Y'all tracking with me here? Okay, it's, it's something that we can embrace and live into, okay? He is, the, the psalmist here is pouring his heart out before the Lord. I, this is huge, guys. This is, this is so important in coming to silence before the Lord, trusting in the Lord, hoping in the Lord. First, you have to pour out your heart. You have to be aware of what you're experiencing. Be aware of what you're feeling. Pour out your heart before him. It's not just like, drip. Drip, drip. This is like, let it go, man. Let it go with the Lord. He can handle it. I might not be able to, but he can. Pour out your heart before him. Now, second phase, apophatic. Kind of apa, apo is, never mind. The, The idea is just like stillness, nothing. Just be. Just, just like, 
Don't even think. Just be. Okay, and this is where yeah, yoga kind of talks about, like, just embrace your breath and be in the present moment, you know, and, which is great. It's helpful. I, I do it. That's great. But I want you to see within Christian tradition the silence, the faith, the confidence, the calm before the Lord, not avoiding trouble but in the midst of trouble, being silent before the Lord, okay? There you go. Perfect. You're, you're rocking it, Philip. Thank you. Okay, here's the thing. Here's where we're going to get really, really practical again. We're going to practice apophatic spirituality, okay? We're going to be quiet just for a minute, okay? And some of you are like flipping out right now, and that's okay. We're going to be quiet just for a moment. We're going to give you 45 seconds, okay? Now, kids, if you can hear me, and if you want to participate, okay, I want you to like get in a really funny pose, okay? Like, you know, stand like this or like, you know, whatever. I want to try to engage, like kids, like do something so that your parents can be quiet just for a minute, okay? <laughs> uh, but parents, I want to give you instructions, okay? You're going to think, and I want to give you, I want to say from the outset, it's okay. There's no performance. There's no tests. Like, you're not going to fail at this. I just want us to embrace, as a community, a little bit of silence. And here's the, it's just not about silence. Here's why. Because it expresses trust and confidence in the Lord. Okay? I am doing this not for my own self. I am doing this to trust, express trust and confidence in the Lord. Okay, ready? Here we go. Let's be silent for about 45 seconds. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence. For God alone. The peacefulness of hope in certainty. Okay, we've gone in community, we've seen it in trouble. We're going to wrap up in certainty. Verses 9, 8, 9, and 10. Essentially, the psalmist moves to a place because of what you just experienced, because of the silence, you kind of begin to see the world in a way that's like, oh, wait, I'm not as effective as I thought I would be, and I'm not as powerful as I thought I would be, and man, my life is a lot shorter than I thought it would be. And he talks about this in the sense of, of those who are of low estate and those who are of high estate. They're a delusion. They're but a breath. And, and these people, together, they go up, and they're lighter than a breath. And it's like, oh, great. No matter what I do, whether good or bad, I'm lighter than a breath. 
awesome. Thanks, Lord. And that's not supposed to be like, you know, frustrating for us. That's, a, that's freedom. That's freedom from the Lord to say, he's powerful. He's got it. He's the one who's in control, not you. Check. The Lord's the one in control, not you, just so you know. <clears throat> okay. Verse 11. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this, that power belongs to God. The certainty of God's power. Okay? He has this phrase, like, once I heard this, twice I've heard this. And it's basically this, this recommunication of the, the, the firmness of this declaration. That to you, O Lord belongs steadfast love and that power belongs to God. That power belongs to God and that steadfast love belongs to the Lord. There's a, um, a German theologian uh, who has this, this expression of what these two things of power and, and, and love, or, or the way he phrases it is grace, come together. And put that, yeah, thank you. Um, it's in the union of power and grace that the essential nature of God is truly expressed. Power without grace lacks trust, and grace without power lacks ultimate seriousness. Essentially, he's, you can make, you know, take a picture of that. That's, that's really, really good. The essence of what he's saying is this. The, the reality that God expresses constant, steadfast, immovable love and abundant, overwhelming power should both make us tremble in our boots and be at just complete thankfulness and rest, okay? Those two things together are what make up this, this stillness before the Lord, okay? And we end with verse 12, the certainty of God's power, the certainty of God's love. For you will render to a man according to his work. Okay, when I first read this psalm, to verse 12, and I was like, dude, I was tracking. What just happened? Like, now the psalmist is talking about God's work, or man's work. What does that have to do with anything? And here's the, here's the, the certainty that I want to communicate to you. God's power and his love are so certain that you have a choice. You have a choice. As Scripture portrays it, you have a choice to continue to build walls in the midst of trouble, to live distant from the Lord, and to pretend because of your hectic, frantic, overwhelmed, busy life that you're actually accomplishing something. Or you can try through vulnerability and trust to enter into those dark places, enter into a place of stillness, not because of your own power, but because of the expression of trust and confidence that the Lord is actually the one who's in control, okay? This is the invitation of Jesus. The way Jesus says it is, leave your father and mother and come and be with me. Those who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Jesus embraces, Jesus gives us a hope that is beyond what we are currently experiencing into trust and enjoyment and satisfaction 
and ultimately stillness. Not stillness from a place of inactivity of like, oh dude, I'm like totally chill. Stillness from a place of confidence. I, I don't, this is way beyond me, but the Lord has got this. So my question to you is, what will you decide? What's your choice? What are you going to decide on how to live? Are you going to hear the psalmist say, quiet yourself before the Lord, for He alone is my salvation. He alone is my hope. Are you going to hear that? Or fill in the blank and say, if I get this figured out and if I can you know, tangibly do this, dude, then I'm going to have hope. Those are different things. There's always going to be another. Jesus alone is our hope. Jesus alone is our refuge. I would even say Jesus alone is our breath. He is the one who sustains us. Whether you acknowledge it or not, He's the one that we live through. That's the invitation to embrace Him as your confidence today. Pray with me. Lord, thank you that you give us a choice. Man, Lord, you give us choice. You have sent your Son upon the earth to to love us and to free us. And uh, I, I pray for the people in this room. I pray for our city. Lord, I pray for this this area, Lord, that with such a good exterior got it all figured out. Lord, that you would humble us to embrace the reality that you are alone, O Lord, are our hope. For our kids, for our future, for our plans, for our jobs. You alone, Lord, are our hope. May we rest in that. Through the power of your spirit, we pray. Amen.